Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for an opportunity to gather together and to worship you this morning, to to fellowship with your people here. And God, uh, I pray that you would just be with us this morning and accept our worship as we lift it up to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The power of hell forever did. 
Bring all your failures, bring your addictions, come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting, God so loved the
Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great you have done great things. God, you do great things. this next song there's a part where we have uh, I call it three hits so join with us in clapping on that part um, if you don't know it you should be able to pick it up pretty quick Oh, there's nothing better 
It's okay for us to have a little fun, right? This next song is one of those songs I can imagine us singing in heaven over and over. Because um, God is so good and you can't you can't sing it, you can't know it enough, I think.
your mercy never fails me all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God and all my life you have been been so, so good, with every breath that I am made, I will sing of the goodness of God, I love your voice, you have led me through the fire, in darkest you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life so, so good with every breath that I am made I will sing of the goodness of God Your goodness is running after it's running after me Your goodness is running after it's running after my life laid down, I surrender now, and I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life been so, so good, every breath that I am made, I will sing of the goodness of God, and all my life you have been faithful. So, so good With every breath that I am made I will sing of the goodness of God Oh, I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God
It's, uh, I think this is our third Sunday with you. We were here back in May, and then we've been here. This is our second Sunday in a row. It's really good to be with you all. As I walk through your church buildings, I'm really impressed. You all have done a really nice job of, of renovating them and updating them. It, when I walk in, it, it looks really good. And, and your, your, your worship space is just, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a sanctuary. It's a good place, though, to worship God and meet with God. So, you know, thank you so for caring so much, uh, you know, about your buildings. Your buildings make a statement to God that that you love Him and you want to worship and honor Him. But the buildings also make a statement to the people you want to reach in your community that you believe in excellence when you minister to people. So, so thank you for for doing such a good job. And um, I know you all are considering me as uh, as your interim pastor. We're grateful for that. We're we're praying about that. And if you all, you know, d decide to, to do that. I guess next week's the time. I want you to know, you know, Connie and I plan to commit to the church, join the church, and, you know, we'll, we'll give our tie to the church. We have another church family, uh, but, you know, when we're here, you'll be our church family, and we'll, we'll commit to you, and we'll want to see God work uh, during that season, and I know he will. We're, this morning, since I'm, I'm going to be preaching through the month of July, um, I've got a sermon series I've called Ancient Modern Church. And I, I, we want to see what God has to say to us about not only the, the ancient church back in the New Testament, but what God has got to say to us today as the people who make up his church. And let's pray real quickly and just ask God to speak. Father God, we know you're here. We know you speak through the reading and the preaching and teaching of your word. Lord, speak through me as your servant, as your messenger. Speak to each person here today. God, we've come here to experience your presence and your voice. Lord, we need to hear you so clearly. And Lord, I ask that you you would speak through the reading of your word, through the preaching of your word. Use me as your messenger. And Lord, just touch our hearts, change our lives, encourage us, challenge us. We pray in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people agreed. Amen. Amen. So this morning we talk about the ancient modern church, and, and typically I'm a verse-by-verse verse kind of preacher. We look at one, one scripture passage and kind of go through it a verse at a time. You know, some, um, some topics in scripture lend more to a, a topical approach. I still consider them expository messages, but rather than being like one passage, you know, we'll be in several this morning. And uh, we've got, uh, you know, PowerPoint, so hopefully all the verses are up there. I I think we've got one of them that are reversed because I made a change last minute, um, but I, I'm appreciative to Jesse that he made that happen for us, so thank you. Uh, the, the ancient modern church, think, think about this. The ancient church is the church in the New Testament, and we know that God worked in the New Testament church with power, so we want to learn about the, the ancient church in, in, in Acts and in the, the letters of Paul because we want to experience that kind of power and that, that kind of transformation we read about in those churches. But we, we also want to discover uh, how God's working in the modern church because that's us. You know, the, the, those of us who are the church of 2023, we're the modern church. And so we want to find ways to, to be relevant as a modern church so that we can reach people with the gospel and so we can, we can turn them into disciples for Jesus. We want to help them grow as Christians. And I, I've been doing uh, coffee pretty regularly with Ray Nida. And uh, Thursday I asked him, you know, I said, you know, so much of Pottawatomie County is growing. What kind of growth are you all having out here? And he told me about a, a new housing development that's coming in, and they're going to build, you know, 400-plus houses. 
You know, you've, you've got that opportunity with, with those families who move in to be that ancient modern church, the church of the New Testament, but the church who meets people's needs today. And how transformational it would be for, for First Baptist McLeod. Think about if you reached 10 of those families, that'd be 4%. You know, that, you know, the church would change up, you'd almost be doubling here. Think if you reached 10% of those families, 40 families. Wow, that would be just revolutionary. And I, and I hope you'll begin to, begin to think, begin to pray, begin to dream about how God will use you all to, to, to reach these people who are moving near your community and how to reach them with the gospel or, and with your church. So I know if they'll, if they'll come in, they'll love it. I know the first time we came in, we, you know, we, we had a wow moment. I said, boy, the church is beautiful. The people are wonderful. Uh, the worship is, is uh, enthusiastic and contemporary. You all have so much, so much wonderful to offer people who are, who are reaching your community. And as we, as, we, as we dream about that and pray about that, you know, let's talk about the church who is both ancient, who is like the New Testament, and is modern, who can reach people in our culture today. And we want to focus, we'll ask several questions today, but we want to focus on, on one question. And today, the one question is, what is the church? What is the church? Or we might word it this way, you know, who are you? Who are we who make up God's church today? If you ask most people, especially people who are outside of the Christian faith, what a church is, you know, they, they would point to church buildings like y'all's. They'd say, it's that big set of brick buildings on the corner of South 8th Street and Broadway. You know, so many times people think of the church, you know, being the church buildings. But churches are much more than that. So we want to ask the question, you know, how, how does our great God who created the church how does he define the church? What does he have to say about the church? And, and, and let's start by defining what a church is not. You know, a church is not simply a set of buildings. It, it's not simply a place. You know, churches are classified as nonprofit organizations in our country for, for legal and financial purposes. That way we're not, we're not taxed like a business. And, but churches are, are way much more than nonprofit organizations because many nonprofits are, are secular. And we're, we're, we're Christian. We, we, we focus on, on Christ and worshiping Christ and serving Christ. And I've, I've heard some church members elsewhere say, you know, the church really is a business. And I'm like, no, you know, the church isn't a business. You know, we may want to have some wise men and women use wise business principles to, to manage money in buildings and property of the church. But, but the church is much more than a business. Huh? Sometimes I've heard people describe the church like, like a social club. It's a way to hang out with their friends. Um, and others have describe the church like a country club. I pastored one church and lots of country club people went to the church and had the reputation they're the country club church. And whether you're a part of a country club or not, some people treat church like that. And country club church members have the attitude, I'm paying my dues, so meet my needs and cater to my preferences or else. <laughs> or else I'll make a mess or else I'll go somewhere else. And we know that the church isn't a country club. So, so how does God define the church? You know, if we look at the, the New Testament, uh, the, the New Testament words for church, and I try not to get into bunches of Greek and Hebrew and get bogged down by that, but, but sometimes 
you know, it's good to, to learn the meaning behind the New Testament words or to learn some new words. I know we were watching a show the other night and I, uh, the word came up, prestidigitation. And it's like, I've heard that word before. I think I even knew what that word meant before, but I, I don't know what it means anymore. So, you know, we've got Alexa in our house, and so she's the, she's the second brightest woman in our house after my wife. So since, since neither of us knew what prestidigitation meant, I, I asked Alexa, and, and, uh, and, she, and she told me. So I, th- I think, too, it's, it's good to know, uh, you know, the background, the meaning behind some of these biblical words. You know, the Old Testament's Hebrew, the, the New Testament's Greek, and, and we're not showboating. We're just trying to, to expound what the Word of God means. And so the, the New Testament word for church, surprisingly uh, to me, the first time I found out, literally means to be called out. So Jesus is calling us out from what we used to be and calling us out to be a new people. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9 puts it really well when it says that, that, that God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so when, when we become Christians... And then become part of God's family, the church. God calls us out of a darkness of sin, out of a darkness in which we didn't have a relationship with Christ. And then brings us um, into the marvelous light of being in relationship with Christ and being part of the family who's the church. And, and I think I've shared before, at least with some of you all, that, that my wife Connie, she, she grew up in a, in a church since the womb, you know, her parents were Southern Baptist. She's always been Southern Baptist. And so she, she doesn't know what it's like to be outside of the church where, you know, my family until I was a teenager was really far from God. We went to a church that for a while, but it was a church that didn't preach the gospel, didn't tell you how to have a relationship with Jesus. So we just quit going to church. And my, my dad struggled with a lot of alcoholism. And so that, you know, church wasn't important for him. But right about the time I was turning 13, we visited a Southern Baptist church, and, and we visited a Southern Baptist church in Connecticut, which is almost a contradiction in terms. I mean, God has to have a part in it when he leads people from New England into a Southern Baptist church. And so God did that with us, and it just, you know, it just ended up changing changing our lives. And so we knew what it was like to, to move out of spiritual darkness into the light of a relationship with Christ. And my mother was the first one to go to church. She went with my grandma before, um, before the rest of our family did. And she came back saying she'd been saved and she'd accepted Jesus. And we were like, huh? <laughs> just, just didn't know what that meant. But God began to work. We began to go to church week after week. And within a month, uh, uh, my dad, m- myself, my brother, we all came to faith in Christ. We stepped out of spiritual darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. You know, he can do that for, for all people. So in, in the New Testament, the, the church is, is us. The church is composed of people who know Jesus, who've repented of their sins, placed their faith in Jesus as Lord, and then have experienced believer's baptism where we proclaim Jesus is the Lord of our lives. And and we call the people who make up Jesus's church, we call them Christians. And and I I, I sometimes like the word better, Christ follower or Jesus follower. Christian's a great word. You know, sometimes I've heard people define Christian as we're we're little Christ, we're made to be like Christ. But but ultimately, as disciples of Jesus, we're we're made to follow him. That's what the disciples do. And they, they, they had a saying, you know, Jesus 
Jesus was the Lord, but he was also a rabbi. Uh, you know, he taught his disciples his teachings. And, and, the, and the, the people in Jesus' day, um, and remember, you know, where they walked in Israel, they walked in, in uh, robes and sandals, and it was a dry, dusty face, and, and a dry, dusty place. And they say, wait, may you be, walk so close to the feet of your rabbi that you're always caked in the dirt that's kicked up by his sandals. <laughs> you're, you're, the lines on your face are lined with, with that fine dirt of the desert. Um, and your, your clothing, your, your feet are, are all lined with that dirt because you're walking so close to your rabbi. And I, and I like that picture for Jesus. We walk that close to him as his followers, whether we're getting dust on our faces or not. The New Testament book of Acts is the, the story of the very first churches. Jesus has been resurrected. He's ascended to heaven. And Acts helps us understand what it's like to be an ancient church, so, you know, the, the church of the New Testament and, and a modern church, a church for today. And if we, as I look at the book of Acts, I, I, you know, I define a church like this. I believe this is how Acts defines a church. A church is a, is, is a gathering of people who follow Christ or a group of people who follow Christ and and we're, we're transformed into a community who's created by God. Or we might say as Baptists, we're, we're translated into a church family. And as a church, Jesus gives us a special mission. He gives us the Great Commission as a church. Jesus gives us a special privilege. And if we were to break all that down for a moment and see who we are, you know, as Christ followers, we're, we're committed to Jesus. Remember Jesus said, if you want to follow me, Every day you've got to deny yourself. Every day you've got to pick up your cross. Remember the cross is an instrument to death. And so every day you've got to put preferences and desires and agendas to death to follow Jesus. Your agenda, your plans become what who's Jesus's plans, his agenda. We adopt his, he doesn't adopt ours. So we are to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him. That's what it's like to be a believer in Christ. And then if we think of the church, you know, it's more than the buildings. It's the people who meet in the buildings. It's Jesus who meets us in the buildings. And so the, you know, the church becomes a, a community of relationships, a, a family of relationships. And, and there's two things you can't do alone. You can't be married and go at it alone. And, uh, and ultimately, you can't be a Christian and go at it alone. It doesn't work that way. That's, that's how important the church is. God's designed you and me to do life together. So we, we worship together. We study scripture together. We serve together. We, we encourage uh, one another together. The, the Christian life is about relationships, and we can't, we can't go about Christianity alone. It's, it's the church is God's plan A. And friends, there's no plan B. So, so we, we've got to do it right. We've got to do it well. And then the mission we get is, uh, the church's mission is we want to reach people with the gospel. We want to make disciples of Jesus. It starts with reaching them, and then it starts with you know, baptizing them, teaching them, helping them grow to follow Jesus. And then, then think about the privilege status you and I have as, as part of God's church. You know, we're, we're the family of God. God. God has chosen you and me to adopt us as his sons and daughters. Out of all the people in the world, what do we have got? About 8 billion people in the world. God's chosen you and me to be his people. 
Um, my... I'm my parents' only biological child. I have a, I have a brother who's adopted. My mom, my mother uh, miscarried three times after me. Just couldn't bury, uh, you know, carry a child to term. And so I I was ten. My brother was eleven. My brother David, who was adopted into our family, he was nine. We're fourteen months apart. And and, and David would say, ask me so many times as kids, "Do you love me like your real brother? Do you love me like your flesh and blood brother?" And I was like. You're my only brother. <laughs> You're the only brother I ever know, the only brother I'll ever have. And I said, and I said, some, some ways, I said, You're better than flesh and blood. Because, you know, I came along by surprise. We, we went out and chose you of all the, all, the, all the little boys who needed to be adopted. Mom and dad chose you. And made me a part of that. And so you're one of the chosen ones. And, and the Bible talks about that we're adopted as God's sons and daughters. It's a great thing to be become part of God's family. And I, I think adoption's a great thing. God adopts us. And I think it's great when we adopt children like my, my, my family adopted David growing up. And so as we, we think about the church today, as we, we look at the, big, at the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, they had no church buildings. They were meeting in people's homes, and many times wealthy people's homes who had like a, a, a huge atrium. They might fit 50 or even 150 people in it. And there really wasn't any programs or committees or, or meetings so much back then. Probably some meetings. They were Baptists. They found places to meet. <laughs> Probably some, but, but, but the, the church like the New Testament church, very much has to be organic. Uh, you know, God, God leads us in an in a organic way. It has to be highly relational because people who are going to find Jesus today are going to find it through, find him through relationships like you and me. And it's got to be missional. We've got to be thinking about the people outside the church. You know, the church, one church I pastored at, up in St. Louis, Missouri is the church before we moved to Oklahoma. And the Above the doors of our sanctuary, when we left church, uh, that we had big signs that says, you are now entering the mission field. And I like that. Because, you know, you can do international missions, like we do so well as Southern Baptists, but each one of us is, is a missionary with the small M. You know, we're missionaries to our families, our job places, our schools, our, our neighborhoods. So every time we leave here, we're entering the mission field, and so we have to have an outward focus. And how does God describe the church? If we, we look at the New Testament, when I was preparing the message, there was like countless expressions, countless um, images for the church. I mean, it was something, I mean, you could spend months of preaching on, on who's the church by all the images of the church, but I figured you didn't want to be here listening to me for that long. And so, and so I, I chose under the leadership of God's Spirit, to, to focus on three images of who we are as God's church. And they're all, they're all awesome and wonderful. You know, one of my favorite ones is, is the first one. And as and Jesus looks at us as his church, he says that we're the bride of Christ. And as the bride of Christ, that means we're deeply loved by Jesus. And if you're and if you're in a healthy marriage or you've you've grown up and seen your parents or grandparents in a healthy marriage you can uh, you can get a little glimpse of what that meant some marriages aren't so healthy and it's maybe a little harder to understand that but but think of the think of the best marriages the the most healthy marriages the most wonderful intimate marriages you know and then multiply that times a trillion 
<laughs> we're that kind of bride to Jesus. We're deeply loved. And 2 Corinthians 11.2 is one of the great verses that describe us as, as, as the bride of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul is speaking to us as the church. He says, I promised you to one husband Christ so that I might present to you a, as a pure virgin bride. And so God's designed you and me as people of the church to be in a deep relationship with Jesus. And our, our relationship can be deeper and more wonderful than and even the the, the the closest, most intimate, most healthy marriage that, that we know of. And in our relationship with Jesus, the, the picture here is that you know, Jesus is the husband. And, and as individual Christians, we're not mentioned here, but as the church family, as, as all of us, you know, we are Christ's bride. And, and the picture here is a, of a wedding day and with, the, with the husband and the bride bro, both dressed in white to symbolize purity. And, and in purity, Christ's bride is, is threefold pure. And, and first, you know, we are set apart to Jesus. We belong to Jesus and Jesus alone. We, we serve no other Lord but Jesus. And we might say we don't serve other gods, but, you know, we, we pick things that are important in our lives sometimes that get in the way of Jesus, whether that's our, our job or, or a relationship or a hobby or an addiction. Certain things can get in the way. But here, you know, we're set apart as G, to Jesus. We belong to him. We, we love and serve him. And the second part of our, our purity as Christ's bride is that, you know, that we're faithful to Jesus and we're faithful to the people who make up his church. And that faithfulness means uh, we hang in there with Christ and in our church through thick and thin. You know, we have some low points, we hit some speed bumps, it doesn't matter. Uh, we hang in there through thick and thin. You know, perseverance and enduring is, is part of the Christian life that uh, the Apostle Paul speaks of so much. And then the, the next part of our purity to Christ is we, we have doctrinal purity. That means uh, our, our theological beliefs are, are orthodox, they're biblical. And as Southern Baptists, we affirm a, a small confession of faith called the Baptist Faith and Message. It started out 1925, was revised in 1962, was revised again in, in 2020. And one cool thing I've seen since I've moved to, to Oklahoma is uh, a lot of a lot of Baptist churches, then some churches that are like Baptists outside the Christian faith, and and I found this with a lot of OBU students too, is that we're we're the rediscovering some of the ancient uh, Baptist confessions of faith and some of the ancient Christian creeds like the Apostles' Creeds, which are just really brief summaries uh, of the, of New Testament teaching uh, of the New Testament theology, and we we live in a culture in America that says theological beliefs don't matter, that all religions are the same. And that's a lie that our culture constantly pushes in the media, and they push it in our universities um, to, our, to our children, and may push it, and push it in some of our schools. And, and, and think about the lie that all religions are the same. You know, Christianity has a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus. And then, so there's one God. Judaism is close to Christianity. It's really the foundation. They, Judaism believes in one God, 
But they see Jesus as a prophet, not as the Son of God, not as part of the triune God. Then we, then we look at, at Islam. Islam's a monotheistic religion like Christianity, but Jesus isn't God. Jesus isn't the Savior. He's just one of many prophets. Uh, we, we look at Buddhism, and Buddhism is basically an atheistic religion. They don't really follow one God at, own, uh, at all. And then Hinduism, you can worship literally millions of gods. So for, for America to say uh, that all religions are the same, they're just lying to us. Don't, don't, buy, don't buy into it. And so we, we have to emphasize once again that our, what we believe matters, our theological beliefs matter. So what we believe about Scripture, the Word of God matters because all these competing religions have their own Scriptures. You know, what, what we believe about Jesus, it seems, matters the most of all. He's not just a great teacher or a great prophet. He's the Son of God. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. And, and what we... You know, what we believe about how to be in relationship with Jesus, how to be in relationship with the triune God matters so very much. And so it, it helps us to get reacquainted with those ancient teachings of the, of, of the church um, as well as the teachings of Scripture. So, so what we believe really matters. And as we come back to the bride of Christ you know, I first think of my own bride. You know, we just, we hit 40 years of marriage this uh, this summer or this, you know, May 28th. Uh, and we met when we were, I was 17, Connie was 18, first year at our Baptist college up in Missouri. And, and Connie's the love of my life. I'm, you know, I love so Connie so much that um, I'd give my life for her so she didn't have to give her life. I I don't want any other woman but her. I don't have eyes for any other woman but her. You know, we're bonded for life. You know, we're, we're one flesh. And, and our hope is to grow old together, to take, take care of each other, but to be together for life. You know, we, we love and cherish each other. And, you know, I shared with, I think I shared one time since I've been here that, that Connie just finished a, kind of a three-year fight with cancer. She had five surgeries, uh, intense chemo, radiation, then two years of maintenance chemo. She just finished all of that. They said she's in, in remission. They said, we don't cure it, but we get it in remission. And hopefully it doesn't come back, but it may. And, and I, found that, um, I found that through the, that three years of dealing with cancer, that cancer is terrifying. I remember after she had her first big surgery, you know, we were at St. Anthony's over in Oklahoma City. Uh, they wheeled, you know, they wheeled up her, you know, her hospital bed after the surgery, and I was following her, and they put her in the cancer ward. And, and it said oncology, cancer ward, and it had scripture verses on the wall. And it's like, wow, it, this, this is more real than I want it to be. Um, and... And I found that at times over those three years, especially the first year, was just was just horrific. That that we had all sorts of emotions. You know, we at times we we've got great faith in God and we trust in God for our eternity. But at times we we got worn out and we worried. At times we got anxious. At times things were scary. We had some days we were we were angry. Uh, we laughed some days. We cried other days. We had all sorts of emotions. But you know, we we've always had a strong, healthy marriage. But I find three years after that battle with cancer, we've come out stronger on the other side. You know, our, our, um, 
you know, our marriage is stronger. We cherish one another more. We, we love one another more. And I, I was, we went to a retreat last summer and our retreat leader challenged us to, to come up with a, a list of the gifts of cancer. And initially it's like, that's one crazy question is what I thought. But then, but I, but I came up with that list. Like it really makes you value and cherish your marriage. It, it, it taught us don't sweat the small stuff that cause arguments Focus on the big things, you know, our love for Christ, our, our love for one another. It taught us every single day is important. Every single day is a gift from God. We, we learn so much. And as I, I think of churches in interim periods, and for Baptist churches, those, those seem to, to last about a year, most of the time, sometimes a little over, sometimes a little under. And interim periods are, are a time of uncertainty. And when we have some uncertainty, just we just wonder what's, what's next. And... Uh, when we have those times of uncertainty, we can feel all sorts of emotions. You know, we can feel hurt. Sometimes we can worry. Sometimes we can feel ang angry. Sometimes we're just anxious. We, ju we just don't know what's next. And so it's really a, a challenge to trust God because God's good and God loves you. And, and I really believe just as Connie and I came out stronger on the other side of cancer, you all as a church family can come out stronger on the other side of an interim period. I mean, I believe you'll love and appreciate one another more. You'll find ways to, to serve together even better. You know, as they're, as they're building these 400 new homes around you, you begin to dream the dream of how to reach people with the gospel, how to reach these people for, for First Baptist McLeod. You, you can begin to have a, a really a fresh vision for the future and, a, and, and a, just a new healthy partnership with your new pastor. In church, remember who you are. You're, the, you're Christ's bride. Jesus loves you as his bride. Jesus cherishes you uh, as his bride. And if his bride hurts, he hurts. If his bride is upset, he's upset. If his bride is smiling, Jesus is smiling upon us. If, uh, if his bride weeps, he weeps along with us. But the thing that matters, Jesus loves us more than we can imagine. He's always with us. The next image we look at is another great one that we are, we are God's temple. We, we are where God lives on earth. Isn't that an, an amazing thing? God chooses to live within us, not to live within buildings or temples. He chooses to live within us. That's, that's awesome. And so 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And so when we repent of our sins, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, he sends his Holy Spirit to live within our hearts and, and our fragile bodies become his temple on earth. God lives within us. And that, that verse seems really, um, you know, to be pointing to individual Christians. And this, this, next, this next verse, 2 Corinthians 6.16, is talk, talking to all of us. It says, you, for we are the temple of the living God. And as God says, I will live with them and walk among them. I'll be their God and God will be their people. And so church, you're the temple of the living God. And in this passage, again, it's talking about all of us who make up God's church, all of you who make up First Baptist Church of McLeod. And this verse is telling us that we are of the, we the people who make up Christ's church, we are the people who make up his temple. And the, the temple's important because the temple is where God lives on earth. 
And when we look at the New Testament, you know, there, there are a couple, do, new t- couple different words for temple, and one word for temple describes the, the whole temple complex, lots of buildings. It's like going into a huge megachurch. If you've ever been into the temple complex in the Holy Land, it's building after building after building. And, and so, but Paul doesn't use that word for temple. He uses the word for temple that is sanctuary, the place that God's presence dwells, the place that where God meets with his people. And so the, the scripture here is telling us that, that, that we're God's sanctuary. We're, we're the family in whom God chooses to live. And God isn't choosing to live in a building. He's choosing to live within us as a church. And in this passage, it quotes from the Old Testament book of Leviticus, chapter 26, verse 12. And and this is what it says. Think about this. God says, I will live with you and walk among you. So every time we're gathering as a church, Jesus is living among us and walking among us. Picture Jesus when you're in your Sunday school class, you know, you know, walking through the Sunday school classes and observing what is taught. Picture Jesus and when the kids are being taught in the nursery in the toddler room that, you know, Jesus is there watching over those children. You know, picture Jesus as, 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 we, as we serve God and serve one another and serve our community. Jesus is walking in our midst. And picture Jesus perhaps most of all in worship, that when we worship Jesus, Jesus is spiritually here. He's made us his temple. And so all of this tells us that, friends, you're a sacred people. God loves you more than you can imagine because he's always in your midst as a church. He, he makes this church his temple. He makes you his temple. And, the, and the, the sacredness of God's temple and the sacredness of God walking in our midst shows us how very much God loves us. God could choose to be anywhere and God choose to be here uh, amongst you as his people. And, and also, the, the sacredness of being in God's temple is a way of, of telling us we, we've got enormous privileges, but also we've got great responsibilities to share him with others. Uh, one more image before we close. And the, the last image is we are the body of Christ. We, we, are, we are Christ's presence on earth. And lots of great verses on this. The 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, speaking to you all as a church, speaking to us, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And Paul explains how the, how the body works. You know, we, we each have different functions. Some of us are like an ear. Some of us are like a, a mouth. Some of us are like hands and feet. Um, when, when, when all of us are doing well, we, you know, we're, we're, we're clicking along and doing great. When one of us hurts or when one of us abs- is absent, we all miss something. Uh, I know when I was driving back from our from our friend's house in St. Louis uh, for Thanksgiving last year, I ended up with an abscess tooth that needed a root canal. That is one tiny part of my body, but it made me miserable for a week until I could actually get that root canal. You know, I got antibiotics, but the antibiotics took a whole week to take the pain away. It was it was horrible. Any, anything I put in my mouth, and man, I love to eat. You know, I, you know, I just, you know, you give me food, it's like a mountain. I want to climb it. I want to conquer it. I, 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 you know, I enjoy eating. And, and to not be able to be comfortable eating for a week, and thankfully it happened after the Thanksgiving meal. But, I mean, that was just one part of my body, and my whole body felt miserable. And, and that's how it works in the body of Christ is one of us is hurting, you know, all of us can be hurting as a church. If one of us is missing, something is missing in the church. You know, we're, we're all needed 
as his body. And Jesus, you know, when Jesus was resurrected and ascended to heaven 40 days later, you know, Jesus isn't physically present on earth anymore. And that's why Jesus calls us his body. We are his physical presence. We are, we are Jesus with flesh and blood on you and me to be the presence of Jesus to people around us. But people might not be able to, to see Jesus with their eyes, but they can see us. And when they really experience how wonderful and how beautiful the church is, they may say, I'm not sure what it is, but I like it and I want it. I want to learn more about it. I think I'd like to be a part of it. You know, people don't have a way of finding Jesus on their own. And so we have to be the the voice of Christ, the presence of Christ to people. And so think about this as Christ's body. We, we make Christ's presence real when we worship him. Uh, Jesus has a way of speaking to us as we share insights in the Bible. Jesus makes his presence real when we care for one another and love one another. Jesus makes himself real when we're generous with our time and our energy and our money. Jesus makes himself real when, when we serve people outside the faith in the name of Jesus. And Jesus has a way of speaking through us when we encourage one another or when we share the gospel with other people. And friends, let's think about, we can make the body of Christ beautiful in our worship. We, we can make the body of Christ beautiful in our relationships. We can, we can make the body of Christ beautiful by the way we serve one another and we serve people outside the Christian faith. Um, and we can, we can display the, the beauty of, of the body of Christ by the way we share the gospel, by the way we share God's truth, with kindness, with grace, with love, with understanding, with listening. And and people are often very open to hearing about the gospel of Christ if they see the beauty of the gospel in us, if they see the presence of Jesus in us, if they know we care about them. Friends, Remember who you are as we leave this morning. You're, you're deeply loved. You're, you're deeply cherished. You're, you're amazing, wonderful people to Jesus. You're Jesus' bride. Uh, the people he loves most in the world. You're Jesus' body. You're his representatives in the world. And you're Jesus' temple. You're the place where Jesus makes himself present on this earth. And so Jesus loves you more than you can imagine, and he's got great plans for you. He's got great plans for this church. And, and over the weeks, of he, weeks ahead, it'll be a time to kind of discover God's next step, time to discover God's future, time to discover God's vision for your church. Would you, would you pray with me as we're encouraged, as we look to what God has to say to us about who we are and who God calls us to do, and Jesse will come and lead us in our time of invitation. Heavenly Father, it's, it's such a privilege to be the people of your church. Lord, it's, it's such a, a wonderful thing to be the people here that are members of First Baptist Church of McLeod. Lord, <clears throat> may your, your blessing rest on them. May your encouragement ble- rest on them. Lord, uh, re- remind them how much you love and care for them. Remind them of how wonderful they are. Remind them of how you have a wonderful plan for them and a great future for them. Remind, remind them of, of the vision you have for them to, to reach these new homes that are, that are being built around this community. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.
Jesus, I surrender all to Him. I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. Yeah. 